0: Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques, upcoming and in use today. I'm Adam Lestec, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support the show, please tap the link in this episode's description if you're using the Anchor application, or visit anchor.fm/bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. First up, let's talk about some news. Digital Ocean had their uh, annual update as to what they're looking to ship in 2019. And there's a couple pretty cool looking things on there that I, I want to make note of. You know, one especially that I'm looking forward to more than anything, uh, but they are talking about doing some managed databases. They're starting with Postgres and then they're releasing MySQL and Redis later on this year. But both of these are, or all three of these are pretty cool because not having to worry about managing the database itself and performance would be very helpful for me. You know, I've had to spend a lot of time making sure that it's optimized for, say, WordPress in my case, and just not having to deal with that would make my life infinitely easier. So I'm really looking forward to that. They also talked about managed uh, Kubernetes, and although it's already available, There will be a bunch of enhancements such as a container registry, auto scaling, automatic upgrades, and support for deploying and managing workloads. I'm only personally starting to dive into this and figure out how it can fit with my overall strategy for hosting. But I'm pretty excited just for the ability to kind of manage the machines underneath, put Docker on top, and really kind of set it up for auto scaling in the long run and so I'm really looking forward to see what I can do with it where I can go with that and what DigitalOcean will allow me to do that makes it a lot easier and finally they made note about uh, spaces which I use for backups and for file hosting to some degree and they're going to be adding SSL certificate support on for their CDN endpoints and subdomain support to really kind of allow for static site hosting. You know, I've used uh, Cloudflare kinda to do this a little bit through their caching. I've used Azure to do the same idea, Uh, but it'd be really cool to do this with Spaces itself. And I have done that, uh, but with some hacks around Cloudflare workers, it'd be just neater to be able to do this a little bit easier and more native way. So looking forward to all those updates. I love DigitalOcean to make my life pretty easy, so I can't wait to see what they come out with. There was a pretty large mortgage document breach in terms of talking about kind of recent breaches and you know privacy issues out there. So early this year, and we're not even far into this year, but there was an unsecured Elasticsearch, which is a search engine a database that was containing many millions of highly sensitive mortgage documents dating back about a decade. And this was left exposed to the internet for about two weeks. So once a security researcher kind of noticed this and informed the company, they shut it down very quickly. The leak was really traced back to a company called Ascension. So it's a pretty bad breach since that data had lots of, you know, PII, with that, personally identifiable information such as social security numbers, addresses, dates of birth, and all of that mortgage information that just is inherent upon those documents. It Remain, remains to be seen kind of what the fallout from this will be, but not a great, you know, start to the year, especially with a breach of that, you know, size in terms of uh, confidential data. So we'll see where this goes, but, you know, Just another example of making sure that data that's shared with other companies is properly tracked and managed. And finally, I wanted to make note about some news around Facebook investigations. So kind of in not-so-great news for Facebook, two distinct groups of state attorneys are kind of coming together to investigate not only possibly unknown breaches of Facebook data, but also the past ones as well. Although Facebook is playing it off that they are kind of helping them sort through the issues, the investigations themselves don't really lend themselves to that narrative. And based on the past year's breaches of trust and privacy, they're really focused on finding out if there's cause for really further investigation and in-depth possibly penalties. So none of this really looks good for Facebook ultimately, but it's really kind of a culmination of what's been or what it's been building to, because there's just been so much news and so many bad situations that Facebook has found itself in uh, that were very self-inflicted, that it was only a matter of time that a lot of these investigations kind of wrapped up into a larger one that really looked in-depth at their practices, what they're doing, and where they might be failing at. So it remains to be seen where it all goes, but... Certainly not a good thing for them. Moving on to some links and resources. I found a really cool teleprompter um, web application called teleprompter.me. It's an amazing little app, uh, and it's pretty simple for what it does, but if you allow the website to uh, use your microphone, it will actually follow along the words with your voice. So instead of you having to set like a scroll speed, for example, and like hope you stay within that, it has most every other feature, but it will kind of automatically follow, which is really quite helpful. You don't have to worry about fitting the speed, and you'll actually kind of make it where you want to go and naturally follow the rhythm that you're going to use. Plus, it's free, and it works really well. So check it out, I thought it was pretty neat. I'm definitely gonna to try to use it for a couple projects I have in mind. There's a Picas Picas app I guess. Um, basically uh, it's a Google Fonts kind of logo creator and it's pretty simple. And essentially it's a way to create a logo based on a font and you know, you it's simple but kind of a handy tool to generate ideas I think. And with kind of the trend to move away from you know logos themselves, or maybe the importance of logos is not as much. I mean, there are definitely cases where that's not true, but in many cases, even the fancy font or a different stylized font can substitute for you know having a really specific um, logo or set of shapes or way to do it. because you know, in reality, a lot of folks don't even look at the logo. Uh, For smaller businesses, I've found. Uh, Sometimes those can be used as a marketing tool and really differentiate yourself. So there's certainly value. But in other times, you know, it may not be that big a deal. And maybe this is all you really need. So this is a way to kind of generate ideas. Pretty cool. Uh, Definitely check it out. Another tool out there is called uh, Blob Maker. So if you kind of need this background CSS blob style, uh, images or graphics. This is a tool that will help simplify that. The blobs generated are actually downloadable as SVGs, so they can be infinitely scalable and used on your page in any number of ways. I mean, it's definitely following a trend of the type of shapes, a little less geometric and more, I guess, organic in terms of uh, the kind of background images or ways to call out. And it definitely. F- will have to fit your design style and trend, but if you need this kind of thing, definitely check it out. It's got some, uh, it it looks, it's a nice little slider based tool with a couple uh, easy configuration options, but not too much. And you might find what you're looking for. So check it out. And finally, I stumbled across this Matter library. And what it is, it's a small new library of material design components that have been implemented in pure CSS. It's still evolving and there's still a new elements, but worth check it out. And uh, if you have that, even if you want to pick and choose and see what it looks like, it's pretty cool. And finally, I wanted to kind of talk about what I kind of see, and certainly many others, as 2019 kind of trends. You know, now that we're about a month into the year and kind of see where some of the technologies are going and what's out there you know there there's a bit we can chat about and see what you might be able to take advantage of so there's four areas that you know I'm focused on a lot that I'll be curious to see where they go and I can definitely see as some of the larger Trends out there, and most of these are no surprise, as they were definitely very prominent last year. But it's going to only increase in usability and what you can do with them, and how easy they are to use. So the first one is, with no surprise, serverless. And really, all this is me- means is instead of you standing up a traditional like uh, VM and saying, "Okay, I'm going to install a bunch of software and then manage that." It's really kind of just a bunch of managed software that you can plug together. You know, there are definitely servers running all this. It's just saying that you as a developer can hook in to use these services without you having to worry too much about all the backend configuration. You're just consuming it and allowing your application to use that without having to worry about all the kind of nitty gritty. And this has become extremely popular for many reasons. It frees up a lot of time, helps a lot of folks, uh, especially that don't know as much, not have to worry about all that stuff so they can just kind of dive in and build what they want. And so, obviously, it's a huge trend, but it's been evolving very rapidly, and there's many different ways to do it, some good, some bad, you know, and everything fits different use cases. So what I think we're going to see is a bit more um, of the technologies maturing a bit and becoming a little bit more stable uh, and a bit more diversifying as new applications are kind of found to be you know, good use cases for this. And so a great example of that is one of my favorites, Cloudflare Workers, which traditionally you're like, oh, JavaScript at the edge, how is that really serverless? Well, if you think about it, so much stuff on the web is built on JavaScript. And also, it's really just another programming language to do logic. And if you're doing that kind of logic and routing and taking care of backing technologies and storage and that kind of stuff, well, it's not really any different than any of the other ones. and It's just in a different language. So there's going to be that trend towards more and more of this and perhaps even kind of the ability to span your various um, functions across different uh, platforms to kind of have that fallback if you need it. So pretty cool, um, definitely dive into it if you uh, haven't had a chance to yet, but I think it will you'll find that there's a lot out there. So GraphQL is another one that I see becoming a, a lot bigger in terms of what you can do with it. So this is kind of a replacement for REST services and it's a it's similar, I mean you're making these API calls to this service and you're getting returned data, but GraphQL is meant to be a heck of a lot more flexible. You know, and with REST calls, oftentimes what you would do is make a call and it would return a bunch of data, but if you needed to join pieces of data from various parts of your application or only get parts that you needed, it was a lot harder to do that because the calls weren't really set up for that way. You would really just make the call and it would give you essentially what the server you know, determined that you needed and you would filter on the application side. So really you would end up with a lot more data than you usually needed. GraphQL is kind of set out to kind of fix that and really make it so that when you make a call, you're only getting the data you're allowed and only getting the data you really need. And so you're really doing the filtering on the server side rather than on the client side and with the hopes that you just Don't get all that extra data. It's more efficient. You can make more uh, focused data calls, and it's just a better approach. Now, it's really starting to ramp up in terms of usage. You know, so many things are entrenched in using REST, and there really isn't anything wrong with, you know, REST. It's just this is a different way to do it, and depending on your needs, this could make a lot more sense. But if you haven't explored it and kind of taken a look at what it can do for you and how it might fit, definitely check it out. It's got a lot of potential, I think, and I'm sure we're going to see a whole lot more of it coming soon. The other, another one I want to talk about is static site generators. They're really seeing a resurgence in the past two years. Um, I'm, I myself am starting to use them more. I've used them on a few sites, and they definitely don't fit every use case by any stretch, but they are very useful because it's almost kind of a uh, throwback to how the you know web started, where you're just generating these statics pages that are being consumed. You don't have to worry about it going out to a database or doing all this stuff. But at the same time, you want some sort of, you know, way to easily update these sites without spending a ton of time and effort hand coding or crafting it. you know, and that's why almost every static site basically takes markdown files, and it then converts it to uh, the site itself, or it generates that, and then just places those files where you need them that can be read. The power behind these and the flexibility is becoming more and more and more as time goes on, and I think that we're going to find you're going to be able to do a whole lot more. It's going to kind of start to blur the lines a little bit. But at the same time, it's another alternative to having these very heavy applications such as WordPress, which no offense, I love WordPress, but it will help to be an alternative to those where maybe you don't need all of that for a site. And you'll find services such as Netlify, which basically is a back end to that, which kind of helps bridge that gap where you want some sort of UI to enter in all this content. But at the same time, You don't want that very heavy back end that could slow down the site or it's just unnecessary depending on what you need. So it will be very interesting to see where these go. Um, I think that it's a pretty good uh, uh, start to what could be done. And finally I want to talk about the last kind of big subject with us which is AI and bots. And they kind of go together but Uh, You know, we saw a big push towards all this kind of stuff in 2018 and 2017, really, but I think we're going to see a lot of maturing and reasonable expectations to what this can do. So, you know, there is a big push, like, let's make AI and bots and everything in 2018, but it really has to fit your use case and and what you need, because it obviously isn't going to work for everywhere, and it doesn't even make sense to put everywhere. You know, bots are just kind of essentially shortcuts within chat programs to kind of make it easy to kick off or ask a question or get a status on something, which I, I believe they're they're really just kind of utility tools. And I do think we're gonna see more and more of those, especially as they're easier to create, because there is something to be said for the push towards Slack style or Microsoft Team style, uh, chat environments where I can just Stay within that environment and query out to my other tools just to see what's doing, and then maybe be able to interact a little bit or just share that with the team. So, there is going to be, I think, an increase of that more so on the tooling side to kind of help you create these things pretty easily, a little more flexible, that kind of stuff. In terms of AI, though, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a pullback in terms of. Where all of this goes, I think there's going to be a big push into certain areas that it makes more sense to do, and that's really going to be driven by, like the bigger companies. You know, Google's you know, very much pushing it, but the applications they found make sense, you know, like a Google home or your Google Assistant, something you're talking to that can do more with this. But you know, the thought of just putting an AI on a website as a chat client doesn't make much sense unless it's to a very minimal degree like, like Intercom is, where you have a chat pop up when you visit site, hey, hey, I want to chat, you know, let me know if you have any questions. Maybe the if it's a minimal AI that's easy enough to use, it can respond very simply to come, some you know, questions or say, I'll direct you to a person. But really, it's kind of overkill for many of these things. I think we're going to see some more interesting applications But the concept of kind of putting AI and everything really doesn't make much sense. And so we'll kind of see where it goes from here. But I I think it's just going to focus more on specific areas than others have in the past. So that's kind of my thought about what the trends of 2019 will be. You know, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. uh, But either way, areas to definitely keep an eye on and look at. So with that, follow this podcast on Twitter at bitvbyte and Facebook at slash bitvbyte. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.